Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers, and of course, the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And this is episode 341, What is BGA? And Making a Better Podcast. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new and philosophically engaged episode. It's going to be meta, folks, so stick with us. Well, hi, everybody. So if you've been part of the BGA family up to this point... This is going to be a really interesting episode for you because we're going to take a, a step back, talk about the podcast, and explore a little bit about the different pieces that makes up the podcast that you listen to each and every week, whether it's on your podcast player, YouTube, or any of the other streaming sources that we use. We thought we'd take a moment to take a step back, really reflect upon things, and have that conversation with you live on the podcast. We think it'll be fun. But for you out there who have never listened to Board Gamers Anonymous, welcome to the podcast. We are so glad to have you here. But you're probably not going to understand anything that we're talking about <laughs> because you haven't listened to any normal episodes. This is not a normal episode, but you actually might like that better. I certainly hope you do. But again, if this is your first episode, jump back one episode and check out the normal BGA kind of stuff, or honestly, check it back on any of the episodes, and you'll get a sense of what we're going to be talking about this week. So right off the bat, you may have noticed that we didn't go with the normal intro music, and we didn't go with the normal intro. Well, kind of did, but this intro and the music has been something that we've been playing and going with for quite some time, and it has become a very established part of the podcast. So much so that every once in a while when I do a Zoom call these days, I have to stop myself from saying, welcome to the podcast, everybody. You know, welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous. So uh, I've actually trained myself to a point where I could just rattle that stuff off. Uh, Anthony, we've been here since the very beginning. You and I created the podcast. 
we thought this was a good idea. Here it is, 341 episodes later, over eight years, starting out the podcast. You and I worked on the music, and I think in the in the end, you found the intro music, right? The very eight bit bit kind of like song that we play coming in. Yeah, yeah. I think my directive from the team was mm-hmm. find music that is gamey and free, and. <laughs> Nothing is more gamey than 8-bit music, and nothing is more free than what I found. So, um, yeah, obviously, it, you know, it, it's royalty-free music. It's Creative Commons. Obviously, the, the music is created by people. You can find the credits for it in, in the show notes. But, um, yeah, it has kind of grown us. We all we all like, jumped at it. We liked it when we found it. But at the same time, some people early on were like, isn't that kind of video gamey? You guys are board gamey. They're like, eh, I don't know. It's all in flux. What is board game music, right? I don't know. Yeah, and I, I think it fit a little bit with our ages as well. I mean, we, you know, over the years we've had different co-hosts with us, but generally we're a, around the same age, and or at least right. like the same things. And so much of that was eight-bit video games, sixteen-bit video games, and we were all video gamers coming into board games. So the the song here from box cut box cat games really fit very well for us. And I think I've only heard it one other place before. And it's a very different, a very different take on, like you said, a cardboard podcast. And we've actually looked at different songs. At least I've looked at different songs along the way. I think I pitched a couple to you, Anthony, but I don't think anything really matched at least what we were trying to go with, or at least, you know, where we were coming from, but it's a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. We've gone down a couple different roads. We've tried more jazzy music, a little mm-hmm. softer, more contemplative. We've p- picked. We tried a couple things that were much faster, much yeah. more chaotic. Um, we used to have little ditties and clips for each of our segments. Like early yep. on, I would splice those in for the the middle of the segments, and those were similar to what we have. I think they're from the same album, actually, but just a little quicker paced because they were short. Um, and we, you know, over the years, we've kind of still just stuck with what we have here in the intro. And it's, yeah, if I hear even like the first couple beats of that, I know I'm like, oh, it's a podcast. Someone's listening <laughs> to my podcast. <laughs> it was funny too, because I think at one time, Anthony, you really went to the extent of finding like 8-bit versions of yeah. other songs, right? We had like Game of Thrones that was an 8-bit version yep. and, and such. Yeah, the first like 20, 30 episodes, like we would do feature reviews of games, right? Yeah. You know, so we would talk about for an hour, like Caverna or Game of Thrones, the card game. And so I would try to find 8-bit versions that kind of matched up with that. And so it was really easy for something like Game of Thrones. You just find an 8-bit version of the Game of Thrones (laughs) soundtrack or the main theme and then hope that nobody cares. Um, So if you go back and listen to that, that's still there. Uh, Sure. You know, that clip that we have. And that's just in front of the feature. Um, that was fun, but it did take a little bit of work to dig those up. Yeah, and that's one of the things about podcasting that you learn very early on is that it has to be sustainable for the long yeah. haul. And obviously, we've been doing this for eight years and mostly every week. Uh, I think that, you know, we decided to do the podcast version of this because we, again, you and I, Anthony, we're big, big podcast listeners. We listen to a lot of board game podcasts. And it seemed to make sense that that was something that we wanted to do. And I think very early on when we were at Myriad Games, which we talked about all the time initially, 
was because we wanted to do a board game podcast to support our local friendly game store. And we thought that this would be, you know, the method in the madness to actually support the industry and support the store that we loved very much. But I think that, you know, as we've gone on with the podcast, we've learned a a lot of different things. And obviously we'll be talking about this in this episode. So, you know, intro music was one of the things. It wasn't always a thing. It was different things. Hopefully you like the intro music. It's a little hard to cut you know, to get like the right amount of intro music there because it's a weird kind of eight big song. It doesn't play in a second. It builds up and then kind of kicks in. But, you know, it kind of feels like that's what should lead in a podcast. Um, I don't know about all you out there, what you think. I mean, maybe Anthony, what we could do as we go through this at the end is have some kind of feedback from the listeners and the people who view us on YouTube and such and see what everyone else says. But yeah, we thought the podcast for- format would be great to reach out to a lot of people. And our friends and our family and the people in the area, some of them did listen. But it turned out, in fact, that really early on, that people a- around the United States and actually people around the world were listening. And that kind of blew me away that there were people from other countries listening to our podcast like eight years ago. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, like you kind of take it for granted now uh, because – we've been looking at those charts and seeing where people are from for so long. And you join us on Patreon and Facebook and we can see, you know, where you're from. And it's just crazy to me, but like early, early on, like those first few months being like, how did people in Germany even know we exist? How did that even happen? How did someone in Indonesia find our podcast? Uh, But people did. And if you're listening right now and you were there eight years ago, let us know how you found the podcast. I want to know. (laughs) <laughs> and thanks for listening because that's yes, pretty yes. that's pretty pretty incredible. And the funny thing is, like, I think initially Anthony was doing the hosting, and then Anthony was having his second child, or maybe it was even before that that I took over like hosting duties and responsibilities, and you missed a bunch of episodes. But like Anthony is our tech guru, our business manager. And so many other things. And basically, he was carrying like 95% of the load, especially early on, including the editing. Later on, I took hosting and editing myself. But it was, it was a lot to do early on. But Anthony had all the numbers. And I always drove him nuts because I was like, did we get more listeners? Where are they listening from? How often are they right. listening? <laughs> and he's like, buddy, I'm, I'm watching it. I see all this stuff. I'm like, but I want to see. And like eight years later, I still have never seen the numbers. <laughs> I I updated a spreadsheet for several months, maybe even years, uh, yes. and just it's it's too hard. I don't and know. It was, <laughs> it was really awesome because as people who are speaking into a void or speaking into a microphone, and you're listening wherever you are in the world, you know when Anthony was showing me like the charts, and he would have like these gra- graphical implementations of what how everything would work, whether it was a pie chart or you know, things moving up. I was like, oh, cool. We're, we're trending. We're moving up and everything's getting bigger and people are coming here, are the demographics. And again, in podcasting, it's very hard to know how many people are listening because you can't track ears like you could track eyes on YouTube. And the number's a little spotty, a little wishy-washy across the way. They've changed radically. But I think initially the other part, other than serving um, the podcast and serving the industry was we wanted to do it in a way that Anthony, you and I as introverts felt most comfortable. And also, I guess we should mention too, for the youngins out there, YouTube wasn't as big of a thing as it is now. Now it's kind of like, 
it's replaced TV. Like I don't even watch TV yeah. anymore. I watch YouTube. But back in the day, podcasts were still a new thing. YouTube was an incredibly new thing. But I don't. I know about you, Anthony. I didn't really want to be on camera. And we were. We actually had real news coverage for some of our events. And I'm like, you do that. <laughs> I'll be in the back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. We. It, it was funny when we launched. There was no thought about video. We didn't have the equipment for it. We didn't have the infrastructure for it. We probably didn't have the internet for it because yeah. this was 2013. Yeah. Uh, and YouTube was around, obviously. Yeah. You know, launched in like 2006 or whatever. But it was not like you said. YouTube is is TV for Gen Z now. It is. Like if, if you're under 25, you're like, what is a TV? I don't know. Yeah, right? yeah. YouTube. Uh, that's what my kids are. They're like, <laughs> why is the TV on? I'm like, sports, man. It's for sports. Um, but we did occasionally have a reason to record video. I, I recorded a video review of Terraforming Mars when it first came out. We got the very first couple copies of that at a Gen Con. Came home, I immediately recorded a review, put it up on YouTube. That video has been great. We didn't do a bunch of them, um, and it wasn't like on. It wasn't on this podcast. It was kind of a separate experimental thing I did with my phone, by the way. Sure. Uh, so, you know, podcasting is something I had a little background in. We all had a little experience in. We all listened to, and it was relatively mm-hmm. easy to get up and running. Video is like a whole separate layer that we know a lot more about now, especially with the sure. BGA Live we did in the last year. Um, but it's definitely evolving. As you can see, the show's on YouTube now. We do more stuff on there. We have posted many more things on there. Yeah, I think you mentioned like the technology to just pick up and go was not really that possible. You really did have to have a lot of like major pieces of technology. Like your phone can do literally everything now. You don't have to like get a camera, get a mic, get a recorder, get an editor. You could do everything on your phone, which was not, you know, what was possible eight years ago. But again, I, I think it was the idea that we could talk to all of you about the thing that we loved and were very passionate about. And again, being anonymous because we could be behind the scenes and talk to you and feel more comfortable, but also to recognize, especially early on, Anthony, when we got started into board gaming, it was really one of those things where we were, were honestly were obsessed with it. Like we really wanted to buy all the games. I remember like, yeah. I think it was like one black friday or something like looking online at one of the online sites and just being like cool i want lord of the rings the living card game so i'm gonna buy the base game and like eight or nine or ten or twelve or fifteen of the base of the little packs because i need to own it all i haven't played the game yet but i really need to own all of these things and just like <laughs> yeah and i'm like i think i have a problem i i think yep. i have a problem so yep. it was it was it was also that too. It was the anonymous nature of it. It was the the alcoholic anonymous, the addictive nature of it. And it was also at least the subversive nature of anonymous. This idea of there's this global community that was trying to get the rest of the world to recognize that there was a better way of engaging with the world. And you know, coming from a Gen X background, we didn't really have, I mean, there was board games, of course, but, you know, growing up, like, you know, as a, as a young adult, like, where'd you go? You went to a bar, right? And I don't drink. So it was like always the most boring experience in the world for me. Everyone else was drunk and having a great time. And I'm just like, I like my friends. I would like to talk to my friends or do something with them. That's not darts or billiards in a smoke filled drunken, you know, haze. 
if only there was something. And if there was something, it would be something that would be like learned, educational, engaging, fun, and smart. And again, coming up from a video game background, I mean, of course I had board games, but coming from a video game background, it was one of those situations where when you played video games, you were on your own. This was before the the major, major, major kind of consoles that came out, but it was, you know, a PC gamer. You go online, you play those games, and you really don't connect. Board games was a different way of doing it. So that was like coming up from the video games. You too, Anthony, right? You were a video gamer coming up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I played a lot of video games, had a lot of time to myself as a child, um, and in high school, and in college, uh, so for a long time. And for me, like the, the trigger to getting into board games was that I'd had my first child, and the ways in which I would go out and engage with people and make friends and do things did not work anymore because I had limited amount of time, usually smaller chunks of time. And generally could, you know, the people that I would have hung out with before maybe didn't have kids or didn't understand or whatever. Like I wasn't going to go hang out at a bar, like you said, until one o'clock in the morning when my wife was at home with a one-year-old, this wasn't going to happen. So board games was like a perfect way to get into like a social, uh, group of people who kind of had a set period of time with small chunks. And I'm like, all right, I can go to this game night for, you know, two to three hours. I'll play one or two games and then I'll leave. And no one will think it's weird. I didn't leave at nine o'clock from a party. And they're like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I'm done with this game. I'm going now. They're like, okay, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And like, I was instantly hooked and I was like, I want to talk about this more. I want to record stuff about it. I want to share it with people because this is perfect. This is exactly what I need at this point in my life. And still is even now with my kids being, you know, that child who was a a year old when you and I met is now 10. So like, it's, it's crazy. Like what's happened over the last eight years. Um, But these games are still here. So (laughs) Yeah. And again, it was still, you know, hobby board gaming had been around for a long time, but it had not hit the mass market like it is today. Like, the idea that you can go and target and buy a version, obviously a smaller version of Gloomhaven is still just amazing to me because you really had to go like to these, you know, far off stores and you and I, Anthony, we actually did, tr- we did a trip through, like we hit every store in New Jersey. Yeah. And it was just yeah. like, I drove everybody and like we drove crazy and just trying to find these little, you know, holes in the wall that had these kind of games because again, the online gaming wasn't the big thing, and Amazon really wasn't a thing when it came to gaming. So to find these hobby board games was a rarity, and there was a lot of Grail games out there at the time too. So there was a lot to talk about as far as will this game ever come into print? And these games have gotten a lot of play. So again, there was so much to talk about about the industry. It was a growing industry. It was a collaborative industry between industry people, publishers, designers. And everyone was involved on a first-name basis. That's what I loved about board games, at least hobby board games, was that the designer's name was on the box. I mean, who, you know, Monopoly or Risk or any of those other games that we grew up as as kids, who who designed Candyland? No idea, right? (laughs) These designers were real people, and we got to meet them at our board game stores and at our events. And it was just like this strange, unusual situation. And it was, again, something that we wanted to bring to the people and there wasn't a lot of people doing it back in the day. I mean, Tom Vassell and the Dice Tower Network were out there and obviously big and huge. Secret Cabal was out there. Um, Cody was out there. There was a couple of people. Joe, Joel Eddy was out there. 
but again, YouTube wasn't big, so that wasn't big. Podcasts were still this fringe thing, not like now where it's like literally uh, uh, such a situation. I think that, I don't know if it was HBO or some other series, like there are now TV shows about podcasts. Yep. You know, like, especially the murder <laughs> ones, right? That's that's a big thing now. It's like, how many people listen to those, like, murder mystery ones where true crime podcast. So, I don't know. So, podcasts have evolved. We have evolved over 341 episodes and trying to bring better and better content. So, obviously, you know, as we've had the finances in a time, we've upgraded our editing, upgraded our technology, upgraded our different segments that we'll talk about in a second, and really tried to, you know, craft our information, our message, and what we wanted to do to the audience. So uh, does it work? We've seen numbers. The numbers have gone up over time. It's It's been diversified with, with you know, the number of people and obviously uh, the places around the world. So that's been really great. But again, it was one of those situations where you never really knew because, again, podcast was speaking in the dark. I think the the one moment, Anthony, about doing a podcast that really struck home was I think I was at Gen Con and I was waiting online to be able to get like some giveaway from like, um, you know, D- Dungeons and Dragons. I think it was. It was their big room on the second floor and work called me. I was on vacation, but work called me, of course. And I picked up my phone and I'm talking to work and there was a couple of head of me and the woman turned around and she's like, I know that voice. And I'm like, (laughs) and because I work at colleges and universities, I assumed it was a student at like the last five, 10 years that I had worked in universities. And she knew my voice from the podcast. And like, that was like one of like the big, one of, if not the biggest moment for me. Because like here I was this invisible person you had never seen, you know, eventually we got on YouTube, not YouTube, we got on Facebook and we have, we put pictures up, but even the pictures was my idea to put the board games in front of our faces to be real anonymous. And I, you know, I thought it was a cool kind of technique, but again, that was the thing that really struck me like, Hey man, we're doing a podcast and like people actually listen to the point where they could recognize my voice, which was a big thing. Cause you know, I used to grow up with like, you know, these big kind of radio announcers like Wolfman Jack or, you know, a lot of like the, the big announcers for movies, like in a world where people want to play board games, one man will tell you what you should buy kind of thing. So it was a real thing. I mean, did you ever have an experience, Anthony, like as a podcaster where you were like, oh, you get recognized as one or such? I don't, not like that. No, not like not certainly not by my voice. I mean, there was a couple people that ran us down, I think at Gen Con as well. Oh, yeah, the first they, Gen Con. Like, the logo's on our back, because we had that first shirt that you got us. It was like a bowling yeah. shirt, and the logo was on the back. Yeah. Um, so we'd walk up to people, and they'd be like, huh? And you'd turn around, and like, this <laughs> game is anonymous. But if, if people were behind us, they could see it from, like, a mile away, because it was a massive logo. <laughs> so people saw it. They were, like, in the hotel, and they ran out, and they're like, hey, hey, we know you guys. They're like, cool. And they're like, yeah, your show's great. And then they wandered on, and like, cool (laughs) but you know that was six years ago because that was right when i moved to pittsburgh so that was early that was like less than two years into the show we're like oh man look at us that was our first convention ever we're like people know us in indiana yeah yeah yeah, it was really cool it was a big thing because again it wasn't like being stars it was like being heard like the idea that was that people really were listening and that was important because we really 
always felt like we were doing the podcast for the listeners and not for ourselves. Like I think you and I, Anthony, we've always shied away from the, the spotlight. So it's yeah. really weird to then be put in the spotlight and yeah. to be to be heard is one of those big things. So that was that was a thing. So one of the things about the podcast that has evolved throughout time is the different segments that we've done. And what we really try to do was try to bring things that were relevant and things that people could respond to. Over the years, we've had different, you know, we mostly recorded once a week, but there were times where we did every other week. I think there was a short period we did once a month when we we mm-hmm. ran into like some difficulties. So some of the segments, and usually the first segment uh, in, in particular was, what should we do when we first start the podcast? Now, Anthony, I talked about this before we got on. Our assumption, our misguided assumption that was that podcasts <laughs> would be this Wikipedia that you as the listener would say, hmm, I wonder what they thought about Small World. Let me go back to that episode and listen to the episode about Small World. And we used to kind of promote the fact that we didn't repeat the games that we reviewed because we wanted to have a catalog of evergreen episodes that you can jump back and hear our full review, multiple people talking about it. And that didn't turn out to be the case or most of it didn't turn out to be the case. (laughs) No, it's, and it's funny because it was like, it made sense. Like I work in digital marketing. I work in search engine optimization. I work in content development. I'm getting my MFA right now in writing. And the one thing I always know is that if you can create something evergreen, people will keep coming back to it and then they'll find your other stuff and they'll, feed off of it. And that's just not how podcasts really work, apparently. No. So um, I even like, I found a podcast last year that I really liked. That's from like three years ago. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and listen to all these. I got through like six of them. And then I stopped because new stuff was coming out. Sure. And my queue was full. And I think that's what happens. The queue is always full. People are always listening to something new and they prioritize based on who they're interested in listening to. So like when we look at the data, there are a few outliers, like our Wingspan episode, like if you like Wingspan, try. It does really yeah. well. It gets, you know, like 100 something epi- downloads a month, even though it's like three years old at this point. Sure. Which makes sense. It's Wings. I guess two years old at this point, but it's, it's yeah. Wingspan, right? You know, our, our Dead of Winter episode for a long time did really, really well. It's kind of died yeah. off recently, but there are a handful of evergreen episodes, but for the most part, we don't have people going looking for Lords of Waterdeep or Caverna reviews. They can find newer ones, you know, yeah. about the expansions or from new voices, or maybe they've already heard our review. And with 340 episodes of data, we know that now, which is interesting. So it changes kind of how we think about how we build the episodes. Yeah. And one of the other things, too, early on, we used to listen to other podcasts. We, we, I mean, I think if you ask the general podcaster who, let's say, does it for either a second business or a hobby... They'll tell you that there are no bigger fan of podcasts than podcasters because they love it so much that they decided to do it themselves and they understand that the work that goes into it and it was work and money that an expense that I did not know going into it of how much it costs time and things. But I remember Anthony and I used to listen to different podcasts and I was always kind of like, (laughs) this is hilarious. You know, it's supposed to be like random podcast is supposed to be about board games and i personally you know downloaded or is listening for the podcast the board game part of it and they're spending an hour and a half talking about how they got their 
roof reshingled or their right. wife was late to work or the kids spit up or, you know, there was traffic on the 405 or something like that. And I'm just, I remember listening to one episode and it was like 46 minutes in before they mentioned a, a you know, a board game. And I was laughing. I was like, well, clearly no one's going to be listening to this. Clearly we were wrong. Because, <laughs> And again, that's not true about everybody. Obviously, you all have listened to us for a long time and we want to produce content for you. But there are people and there are podcasts out there that do want to hear that general banter. Yeah. And that's part of it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've had people reach out to us and specifically say... I like your podcast because you get right to it, right? Like yes. you're it's it's business like in a good way. Like you you get to the segments, you talk about the games, there's not a lot of just filler at the beginning. Um but at the same time, we obviously have other things in our lives and other interests and other things we watch. Like you've you've heard us recently kind of talking about shows we've been watching or movies we've seen, what few movies we can see <laughs> in a COVID world. And those are all things that were already part of our lives. It's not like we're sure. going out of our way to inject that into the podcast. It's always there. That's the conversation we have before we hit record. And we've just decided, let's just hit record earlier and we'll talk about it on the podcast. Right. Yeah. I guess the question for us now is, do y'all like that? Do we like that? Is that something we want to be part of this show and how much of it should be part of the show? Because there is a line at which, yeah, like 45 minutes to an hour of non board gaming content on a board gaming podcast maybe chop it down a little bit. I don't know. But then again, like we want to be as democratic as possible and also reach as many people as possible. Sure. And that is part of who we are. And this is the podcast that we do. So, And again, it's, it's this idea that podcasts, at least when we initially thought that was, it was about the content, like specifically the stuff that we would be reviewing. And that was something that was very essential to us. And then as, as podcasts grew, it became more about, getting to know the podcasters and getting to know their lives and, and, you know, and getting to feel close enough and to them that they are friends that you want to listen to each and every week, even though what they're covering is not something that you want to listen to. So I think Anthony early on, we, we kind of really stressed out about like, what's going to be our feature of you? Because I, I remember looking or asking you about the numbers and like, Oh, no one liked that episode because we covered, so-and-so game that no one likes as a feature review right but i i guess i mean for me and i don't know about you anthony but like if you really love a podcast you'll listen for the people not necessarily the content which is so radically different than what we thought initially right it's pretty rare that we do an episode whether it's a feature or the games we review at the table where the numbers dip it's very consistent month to month or week to week like occasionally and the things i found are like you know, if we do like, we're talking about children's games this week. Yeah. Some people will check out of that, which makes sense. If you don't have kids and you don't play with kids, you're Mm -hmm. like, I really don't need to listen to reviews of children's games. I'm literally never going to play these games. Um, But for the most part, it's pretty level. People don't dive off. Which is good. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, it makes me happy to know that you guys just want to listen to us talk about games, even if it's a game you don't want to play. Like, there are certain game reviews on other podcasts that I will listen to. And I'm like, why am I listening to this? Because I'm never going to play this. You know, it's not a game I'm interested like a nemesis. For example, I listened to a review of nemesis the other day. I don't want to play nemesis. It's not the kind of game I like. Yeah. It sounds like it's amazing for the people who do like that kind of game. And so it's fun to hear their enthusiasm, but I don't want to play it. And yet I listen anyways, because that enthusiasm is fun. Sure. So 
you know, our goal is to bring that, like if we really love a game, we want to talk about it that way. Uh, and ideally make it accessible to everybody, whether you're going to play it or not. Yeah. And I think that was part of what we try to do a lot with the content is not just tell you if we liked or didn't like a game, but talked about the social, the social, the philosophical, the psychological, the economic, you know, all the different impacts or meaningfulness that a game might actually have at the table or with the people so that there was different, you know, sociological elements that you might want to engage with. You might want to say like, right. Oh, cool. You know, Lords of Waterdeep. I don't like worker placement, but it's really interesting that Dungeons and Dragons as a board game did something different back in the day. They came out with a Euro game instead of just like a typical dungeon hack and slash, which was what they were known for. Right. So there's a, a bigger, different kind of conversation that we try to bring to the table that might be different than what you got at other people, just like a normal kind of review. We, we talked about the bigger elements about the game in the world. But again, the genuine connection that hopefully you feel to us as we do to you is, again, that seems to be what podcasts really do well more than anything else, more than YouTube channels or TikTok or Instagram is like, you get to hear us talk and we talking to you and we're building that friendship, which is awesome. But again, as Anthony said, what level of personal engagement or personal stories or outside content would you like, would you like to know about, you know, like sometimes it's good stuff and fun stuff like, Hey, the new Marvel thing is a thing. Or sometimes it's like, Hey, Anthony just bought a house. I'm trying to buy a house. Do you want to hear about all that? Like that's been crazy. (laughs) So that's been a lot of that kind of questioning and challenging for us is like, what is it that you really like to listen to? And again, uh, you know, that makes a difference. The other part for that kind of intro section that we do at the very beginning is also news. And I know that's something that we have done at multiple different times, especially when we had like Drew back in the day. He was very much geared about doing the news. And then sometimes if it's we record once a week or once a month or depending on the recording schedule, sometimes news was old. And then early on, news was amazing because the only place you were getting board game news, mostly other than Board Game Geek, was like magazines. And now everything's on Twitter. And it just like, (laughs) it comes out instantly. So it's like, should we still do news? Because maybe it does or doesn't matter at this point. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, And and it's interesting listening to other people's podcasts because it has evolved as well. Like this is kind of the same way ours has evolved. Like, you know, you go back five, six years when we were doing a news segment and there were several other podcasts also doing news segments. There was even podcasts that just did the news, like the dice tower ran one for a while. And that kind of faded away about the same time we faded out of it. And I think part of the reason why is what you said is when there is news in the board game industry, there is no central authority, right? We don't sure. have like video games have IGN or yeah. GameSpot or Kotaku or something. They, they break news and then people yeah. discuss it and share links back to that main source. There's no, I'm not going to say there's no journalists in board gaming, but there, if there are, they're very few and most of us are hobbyists, right? So we don't have yeah. like a paid certified qualified journalists, you know, running a magazine you know, or, running a magazine or a website and doing investigative work or going and getting, you know, scoops on things, early releases on things. It's kind of scattershot. And part of that is just like the nature of the industry, which is changing. But for a long time, that was just kind of the way it worked. Right. So like doing the news 
when those companies are just posted on Twitter and everybody's talking about it on Twitter or it's on Reddit or it gets slapped like a press release goes up on, you know, dicetowernews.com. And we're like, that's all we know. So like, yeah. we're just repeating a press release. We're like, is there really a point to doing this? <laughs> you know? Um, but now I feel like in the last year or two, it's changed even a little bit more where there's more discussion in the hobby that's outside of just like, this company is releasing this or this company bought this company. It's like sure. about the ethics of the hobby and the social interactions of the hobby and what people are doing in the hobby and like what it means that it's we're consolidating. Like recently we had two pretty good sized companies say that they're basically closing up shop. Why? And what happened? And you yeah. know, tasty minstrel and IDW why and what happened and what impact does other things like the big mergers we've had have on that. Those are kind of the conversations we want to have. And that's not really news. That's more of like topical current events conversations. Um, So yeah, it is a weird fine line to walk. And I think a lot of us are trying to figure that out, but we've, we've trying to change with the times as we can, you know? And I remember listening to like, you know, cable news back in the day, which I no longer do. And I don't recommend anyone listening to cable news, man. But (laughs) the idea was that all of these cable news channels became so popular and famous and so rich because they told you they were giving you the news, but really what they were giving to you was commentary from their point of view, especially from their political slants, whatever it may be, it's still a political slant. And it was one of those situations where like, that's where they kind of blew up big time. So as Anthony mentioned, like there is inside baseball, so to speak, there are hobby, there are, you know, business dealings that you may want to know. You may want to know about shipping. You may want to know about Kickstarter. You may want to know about, unfortunately, the, the latest sexual, you know, scandal or assault that occurred in a, in a, in a company. Um, you may want to know about, you know, discriminations or about gamma or about changes with the conventions or what is co I mean, a lot of these things are interesting and they are long conversations. And again, all of these things that we're talking about is, is questions that we're putting out to you, our audience and our friends out there. What would you like to hear about? Because again, it's something we could certainly talk about, but again, it does become a large segment or it does become the actual podcast. Some of that is more socially relevant than others. And some of that might be like, why do I care that IDW is closing the doors? Yeah. Like, well, because of all these reasons and because of these games. And again, that's one of those things that are really interesting. But it really brings me back to the next segment, Anthony, that you know, I brought we brought on early on, which was the question of the week. Because one of the things that we discovered was that we really wanted to have engagement. And a lot of things that the publishers wanted, and I know, Anthony, you could talk all about this because this is literally your industry where it's like, it's great that you produced hundreds of episodes on you know podcasts and videos and anthony's created an amazing website which we we haven't even got to ever talk about really like everything that's on board gamersanonymous.com but it's engagement right that's the name of the game right 100 percent, yeah i have this conversation with clients all the time um and like I, i've mentioned this in the past but i work in marketing i'm a copywriter and i, I do digital consulting for a lot of companies and a big part of it is you got to make content, which is what we do with this podcast is what you guys uh-huh. listen to every week, but then you have to put the content out there and encourage people to engage with it. Cause if they don't engage with it, then it just goes out into a vacuum and disappears. Right. Sure. And that's, that's kind of what it was like early on with the podcast until we had those stories like at Gen Con where people recognized us. It was like two full years of being like, 
people listening to this? I don't know. Um, and it turns out they are. And one of the coolest things that we've done is like set up the, the question of the week and uh, contests and other things we've done on Facebook where we post a question and a lot of you come in and answer it and share your thoughts. And there are a whole <laughs> bunch of people that we see on there every week who answer that question every week. And it's amazing. It's like the happiest day of my week Me when too. I go in and I pull the answers from those questions for the show. Cause I'm like, Oh yeah. AC Holt said this. And our friend Tim up in Canada said this. Uh, and it's just cool. Like it's people all over the world and they engage with those and it really adds another layer to the show. Like, sure. You know, we could change literally everything on the show. And this would be the one thing like, no, we have to keep doing this. This is perfect. Yeah. And it was one of the things we really liked because the feedback that we were getting that were that we were trusted. And that was something we'll probably talk about later about doing the podcast and doing reviews and, and how we were trusted as a as community members to serve the greater good. But yeah, Anthony, same thing. Like when my phone blows up when you when you drop a question of the week and I'm like I'm seeing the responses come in, it's like it's like a little tiny Christmas for me because it's like these people <laughs> answer these questions. And it's really like, and and again, I, I really feel so terrible about this because of COVID and everything else. It's like, it's the conversations you have around the table with like these gamer friends that maybe are not like your everyday friends, but you get together to game. And then it's usually questions around bo the board gaming hobby. And we're having these online. And obviously, as Anthony mentioned, there was the contest, but also the surveys, the stuff mm -hmm. that we used to do on Patreon, all the different questions and contests the the brackets again that's more of the review stuff too but it, it was all about that engagement that kept coming and it was general real engagement and on facebook especially because the question of the week we've blown up i think we are i think other than dice tower i don't know about shut up and sit down how much they invest here but like at our level we are the biggest when it comes to facebook and that's because everyone's come for the question of the week i think we got like over like 2500 or so people on facebook where everyone else is like a thousand or 1500 or something like that. So, and the question of weeks are really great. So that's always been a big stuff for us as far as the connection with everyone out there and getting to know everybody and for you to get to know us. hundred percent. So yep. yeah, go ahead, hit, hit me. No, man, I'm just agreeing with you. It's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> and we keep trying to involve the podcast. We keep trying to bring new, new features in there and new elements in there that really, that really build the conversation. Cause like I said, we're out here speaking to a void and somehow people around the world are listening and you're listening with your friend. Like it's just such an unusual thing about being human that we're so fundamentally connected, but we feel so far apart. And it's just, it's weird how like just a simple question, a simple conversation means everything in the world. It really does. It just, I mean, for me personally, cause you know, not just COVID, but like throughout the year, it's just like, I have friends that I've never met that I feel very close to because we have conversations all the time and it's amazing. Yeah, 100%. Now, yeah. 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 And again, like I we've talked about this a lot and and a lot of this stuff honestly like happens organically. So like even when I open the podcast and I close the podcast out and I'm like, you know, saving you a seat at the table, I like legitimately mean that. Like I can't tell you and Anthony can, can vouch for me how many times we try to do events to get to, you know, get to play with our listeners at the table, the different conventions. And we've been so fortunate to meet so many of you, but like, I really want to game with all of you. I want right. to have those conversations <laughs> in person. It's really like, it's like, I feel like I have, you know, I feel like I'm connected to so many people and I really care about these people, but I've never met these people. And damn, I wish I could. 
because that would be fantastic. So <laughs> one of the things that really kind of, I guess, set us apart a, a bit, especially early on, was the concept of acquisition disorder. This idea, I guess, somewhat of FOMO, which became a bigger thing later, but acquisition disorder was you had to or were desperate to collect everything. You were a completionist. And as Anthony mentioned, a hundred or so episodes, I, I made these little, you know, how would you say it? Like openers or bumpers, right? And the idea was like, you know, I remember I, I came up with one of the bumpers for this one specifically watching Steve Martin's The Jerk, where he was like, again, not to ruin the movie, but like he said, you know, he lost everything, but he says, all I need is this lamp. And I, all right, just this lamp, nothing else. I need nothing else. All right, I need the lamp in this. And and that's what I felt like with board gaming for me. Because it's like, all I need is the base game. And the expansion. And the five-player expansion. And the promos. <laughs> and the sleeves. And then, like, next thing you know, you just spent, like, $1,000 on, like, one game. So, Acquisition Disorders or AD, as as we kind of put in here, became a thing where we wanted these games, typically could not afford these games, especially when Kickstarter became a big thing. But it was one of those things where we were talking about the latest and greatest and the hottest that was out there. And again, it was something that was really big, so much so that Anthony had his own solo game podcast, but for a time, I had a Kickstarter podcast, Kicking the Habit, and it right. was talking about, again, that acquisition disorder, that FOMO situation where you really wanted to be a completionist and own everything. And how are you going to make those decisions? And I think that ran for a while. And I think I think at some point you weren't able to edit and I dropped the podcast and came back in to do more of the editing and the stuff with the podcast. But acquisition disorders was a huge thing, especially with Kickstarter. Right, Anthony? Yeah, I mean that's what the hobby is right now, right? Like almost <laughs> entirely. It is. <laughs> it's there's Asmo Day and then Kickstarter, and Kickstarter is all acquisition disorder. Yes. So, like, it actually used to be a little more difficult because we would do this segment every week, and it was everybody on the show needs to bring a game or a thing related to gaming to the show that they want to buy that they have not bought yet, right? Or or really want to play. And early on, maybe like the announcements weren't made yet or, or whatever it might be. You're like, Oh, we had that like hunt around on board game geek. We're going to the forums, we're trying to find new things. And then eventually it just became like, go on Kickstarter and see what's trending. It's fine. <laughs> you know, and maybe you'd get a, a few weeks here and there where they're like, there's nothing new on Kickstarter. You're like, Oh man, come on. You know, but yeah. it's, it's pretty easy now because everything's over there. Right. And like the big, big companies, like all the Asmodee subsidies, they don't release very much stuff anymore by design. That's their business model. Yeah. So for them, it's like maybe three or four times a year. We're like, oh, Asmodee has a new thing. That's cool. Like Descent or whatever. But most of the time it's like, oh man, the new Gloomhaven or, or the new Dinosaur Island thing on Kickstarter, uh, which I guess is IDW. So uh, oh, no, that's Panasaurus. I'm sorry. It's not IDW. Panasaurus. Uh, yep. Uh, and so... It's kind of evolved over time, but it hasn't actually changed at all. It's just yeah. us talking about games we want to buy. Uh, and that's, I mean, honestly, that's the reality for most of us, what the hobby is. So yeah. it's kind of the core of the show. You know? And there was a golden period or golden age where there was so many small companies. And I know that people say there's more small companies now, but I don't. I honestly don't believe it because there was so many small <laughs> companies, small small publishers that were producing games that there was honestly a glut there was a glut of games that when they would like come out, like I said, the holiday times, like there wouldn't be like one deck builder. There would be like a dozen deck builders from like literally every company. 
And like, it was like, which one do I buy? Because again, that was back in the day where you could go on to those online sales and buy games like 50% off all the time. And now, like you said, Anthony, Asmodee shrunk things. Kickstarter does most of the acquisition disorder work, the marketing for their products. So that was, that radically changed. Kickstarter radically changed things for sure. Obviously yeah. one of the tent poles for our podcast and pretty much every podcast that you listen to in board gaming was getting games to the table. Right. And our at the table was something that I think everyone listened to because you couldn't always get a game to the table and you wanted to hear a review about the game from different perspectives and see if the game was worthy of buying. Because back in the day, insert laugh here, games were expensive, right? <laughs> <laughs> but now, not you know, now obviously games are like, you know, taking out a second mortgage to buy a, you know, a system of a thing. But that was one of the things where that we really wanted to do. And it felt important to us because we wanted you to help you make accurate and great purchases. That was something that we wanted. It took much later. Anthony, I don't remember this. Do you remember when we, I think I came up with it. I'm not really sure. I remember like the idea of like, do you buy a game? Do you play a game? You dodge or you burn the game. But I think we, even before that, we had a kind of distance, different system. Like we recommended a game or something. It was pretty early. It was like first yeah. 10, 15 episodes that we, yeah. we built our burn dodge play <laughs> by <laughs> rating scale. <laughs> yeah. So that became a very big part. And that was usually like getting games to the table, new games to the table if possible, and playing them and review them as, as often as possible so that you would know what to buy. And again, I'm not sure if that's something everyone needs now because obviously YouTube is such a big thing. So do you... I think early on, I think even Anthony used to put like pictures, right? There was a time when we had pictures on the podcast. There was like a, a picture feed where at least there was a picture of the game or something for certain podcast players. We you experimented that? with it. Yeah, we, we experimented with it for a short period of time. The problem with it was that we didn't really get any feedback on it, which we asked for. And it doesn't mean that people didn't like it or didn't notice. But I think we just didn't have enough people watching the feed versus listening to the feed. And it was pretty time consuming. So it was like yeah. difficult to know, is this helpful for people? How many people are actually going to go through and watch this? Uh, but, you know, it was always that question that we had, like, does hearing a review of a game give you enough to know whether that's a game you want to check out? Or do you exactly. really need to see it? Right. Exactly. And so these days, if you really want to see a game, you just go to YouTube. Like you said, like there, are, you know, you type in a game name on there, you're going to have five to 10 different previews or reviews or whatever. Does the audio only review make sense? Now, keeping in mind that the audio re only review is more portable, like that's something you can take with you on the train sure. or the bus or in your car. I don't really know. Like I grew yeah. up, I say grew up, I came up in the hobby, <laughs> uh, you know, with audio only reviews because that's podcasts sure. and that's what I like and that's how I consume content. I'm not really a video guy. I never have been. I don't yeah. watch much YouTube sacrilege i know uh so for me especially i'm just like i don't know like i see numbers obviously as a marketing person i know how much youtube can do but i'm personally sure. i don't know what the mindset is of people uh it, how they want to kind of know more about a game obviously learning how to play it like that element the playthrough we've really boiled that down to as short as we can over the years sure because a playthrough in audio format, I think objectively is not super helpful. <laughs> like, and we used to do talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. 15, 20 minutes, like secret cabal style. This is how the gameplay is. And I don't know that's super helpful for many people. 
I'm sure yeah. some are very audio listener learners and that visual, works, but yeah. Yeah. But it, without some touch points, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. And you just kind of zone out. Yeah. And the YouTube channel, you've done some, some video reviews. You've done a, a you know, a handful, I don't know, yeah. six, a dozen of those out there, especially the kid games. I think you had a, you had a bunch too at some point. Sure. Yeah. There's like 15 or so on there. Yeah. Um, there was a period over a couple of years from Gen Con where I did a few, um, nothing recently with, COVID and everything, obviously, you know, games aren't getting the tables often. So those reviews aren't happening, but uh, they're fun. We certainly experimented with them and, and I would like to do more in the future. But what works in the podcast? I don't know. Yeah. And again, what re- what works as, as far as a review is concerned for a game, right? Do you want a personal opinion? Do you want more an objective opinion? Um, the way I always looked at it was there are reviews were helping you make purchases, so sometimes right. you should just buy a game because it's just worthy of buying. Sometimes right. you should play a game because it's worthy of playing, but maybe not owning for se- for several reasons. It's too expensive. It's too big. It only plays with a certain you know group or a certain player count. Some games are worth the dodge. And I don't know about you, but I've been to plenty of meetups and game nights. And Anthony mentioned this earlier. Like you got two hours, or and you don't have a lot of time to waste. If there's <laughs> you know like if there's uh, one game on one side. And another game on another side, which table do you go to? Because that's going to make your night or break your night. So we want to, like, sometimes you just need to dodge a game. Like, you just need to be like, yeah, no. And then there's some games that you should burn. Like, whether you throw it in the trade pile or you sell it, or it's just such an awful game that you literally do throw it in the garbage because no one's going to ever <laughs> want this game. There are games right. that are broken. There are games that legitimately are broken. And I've burned many more games than Anthony has and have gotten a certain you know, ire up of certain fans. But honestly, the reason I did it, it was not for fun. I always find it really, uh, how would you say, insulting for publishers to be like, well, you give a negative review because you want that kind of like, you know, fan feedback and support. I'm like, nobody supports when you burn a game. Like people are unhappy about that because there are people out there who like the game. If they don't like right. the game, they're not going to say anything. But if, but again, there's nobody who's like, I listen to them because they hate everything. We've talked yeah, this about that. hundred <laughs> percent. Like it's almost like they think we're running like mystery science theater here. We're like, we're just like making fun of games and people like listening to us burn things down, which would be a fun podcast, but we'd have to play terrible games and I don't want to do that. So, <laughs> and there are some podcasts that have done that like over yeah, time, yeah. you know, where they've just played just bad or old or outdated games for, for fu- the fun of it. And I applaud them for that. Cause that, that's a good general concept, but we have never burned a game out of fun. Every time I've been no. like, this game is so bad, I have to burn it. I'm like, oh no, this is going to be bad for me. <laughs> so that's always been one of the challenges with it. So again, your feedback as far as that's concerned. One of the things about that, obviously, and I want to talk about that you know, more in detail later, but is the idea about you know preview copies and paid reviews, which we'll get to, I think, at the end, because I think that's a bigger thing that we've dealt with. But we've never been paid for reviews. We've never asked for money to pay for reviews. Anthony and I would never do that. Like, it's just not worth it on any level. And we've seen our colleagues actually get paid for reviews. And yeah. it's been a challenge for us, too. Yeah. And I, I don't want to turn this into, like, a whole commentary on that. I feel like we could have a sure. whole episode just talking about this topic. A lot of people have. Yes. I don't I don't like the way the discourse has gone on this topic in nope, the last couple of years. A bit. <laughs> no. And like, again, I, I work in an industry where, 
you know, things are regulated and you have to say things that are true and you have to disclose things that happen, right? So if you get a review copy, you have to say that you got it. That's all you got to do. Very easy. That's not compensation. It was a piece of material received with which to do the review. And that's really the end of the transaction, right? So like this whole mm-hmm. argument back and forth of like, you were paid to do the review because you got a review copy. It's not really how review copies work. But when somebody actually pays you physical money to review that game, and even if they say they don't care what the review is in the end, that's a really weird ethical line that I have a problem with. And yeah. we're, we're on the same page with that. So we've just never done it. We've never even considered it. And we would never consider it. No. You know, we've done a couple Kickstarter previews that were very, very specifically previews in which I went out of my way not to provide an opinion of the game. It was really just a playthrough with the prototype materials. And that's as close as we've ever gotten to taking any compensation for content. Uh, But reviews, you know, I just, I don't understand why people are like, yeah, it's fine. I don't know why it's a problem. Like, it's absolutely a problem. Ethically, it's a huge problem. Why are we okay with this? Yeah, and I think a big part of the the problem with the industry right now, and like you said, not to get into do, too deep, I will mention just one thing really quickly is that there are so many paid previews out there that there is it's very hard to find a review of a game anymore sure. because either they're not saying it was paid or it was paid as a preview and they just gush over it. If you're being paid to preview something, preview it. Don't gush, yeah. even if you love That's it, a review. You know? Yeah. That's a review. When you start to gush, even if you love the game, that's a review. So you can't review and preview a game and get paid in the same thing, in the same in the same breath. And I think that's sad because when I go to Kickstarter, I'm just a normal hobby guy and I just want to buy a game. And I go look at the Kickstarter and there's like eight or ten previews, which I'm like, great. I'm so glad that that our colleagues who are geniuses in so many different ways have broken down the game so that I can understand about it. But I just want one or two or three independent reviews about the game that should also be up on that Kickstarter so I know if, if it was something I would like. And those have disappeared dramatically over the years. I mean, it used yeah. to be like a Kickstarter was like mainly reviews and now it's mainly previews. And now that those people have previewed the game, they're not reviewing the game, which is good because we would never review a game that we previewed and we haven't because that would, that again, that becomes ethical you know, iffy, because again, you've been paid previously. So now that kind of taints your opinion on that. So again, what format works for you as far as reviews? Do you even want to hear the game reviews? Obviously to what depth, what complexity, what sociological relevancy that it might have for you. And obviously how we go about it and, you know, how we do rate things. So that's, that's kind of a big part there. I guess the biggest thing to talk about here is how most podcasts, and again, we followed some of the formats of our predecessors, <laughs> as far as having a feature review or a feature right. segment. And I think initially, Anthony, it was a featured game, right? Yeah. That's why we call it feature review. That was the name of the segment. Because for the Look first... Away all the secrets. I Well, I think it's pretty obvious at this point. But like the first 50 or so episodes, 55, something like that, most of those we had a single game. Occasionally, we did a top 10 list. Sometimes we did other things. But most of them was like a game that we all played together because when we launched the podcast, we all lived within like three miles of each other. And we all <laughs> went to the same game store. Yeah. And then we'd sit down and we'd talk for like 45 minutes about that one game. And it was yeah. fun and it was cool. And that's why we launched the podcast. And then I moved to Brooklyn. And then 
Daniel moved out of New York and then I moved to Pittsburgh and we were all separate. And of course that means we can't play the same games at the same time. And so the feature evolved to be this, you know, like a lot of other podcasts do of like a top 10 or some kind of, you know, unique special twist on a topic or just a general discussion, uh, recommendations, whatever it might be. And it's, it's, constantly evolving because we're constantly trying to think of new ideas for this segment you know that if you listen to this show for any amount of time there are a handful of things we do repeatedly but even like recurring segments some of them we retire at a certain point like yeah if you like try we have a bunch of those they do really well but eventually we run out of games to do that with and so we retire it for a bit and maybe we bring it back once a year when there's a big game that makes sense to do that for uh we have recurring features like our you know, March Madness stuff, our holiday episodes, our top 100 that we do for your, every big milestone. Mm-hmm. But then there's other stuff we just kind of make up as we go. We're like, what's a cool episode we could do? I don't know. Board Game Olympics is really fun. Let's do that. That was your idea. Yeah. Let, let's do that. And that, so that was new. That was something different. Um, so, yeah, there's no, like, formula to this at all. But at the same time, we need, like, an anchor for the show. Sure. And some of those features, again, did better than others when I coming up with if you like this game try these games because that was something that came out of us talking in like the stores like hey i like lords of water deep what else plays like water lords of water deep if i like this game what else would i like that was something that we as gamers had talked about for it's like the popular language or the esoteric kind of nature of the way we talk but it was never something that was ever I ever saw in a feature review because, again, how do you make those decisions? And typically, you make them based on other games. So if you like this, try that. And we even, like, evolved that to, like, I think if you don't like these games, don't try these games. And, we, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if you, you know, if you like, you know, this other situation, you might not like that. Or uh, help me from not backing a certain Kickstarter, which was a recent kind of thing that, that we did that really kind of blew up a bit. But we used to do other things too. We used to do gamer FAQs where yeah. we went through like gamer terms and things of that nature. We did um, features like how to, that was a big thing about like teaching. How do you teach a game? How do you do something? We did BGA court where we actually like to sleeve or not to sleeve. I think one, yeah. it was one of our, that was features. a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And like, how do you debate that issue? Because again, those are conversations that we would have at the table that we wanted to bring to the contest. I think, Anthony, one of the biggest episodes we did back in the day was Rebellion versus War of the Ring, right? Wasn't that one that kind of like oddly blew up on YouTube for a time? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did we did a series of versus episodes. I think our most infamous one is Kemet versus Eclades because that was okay. like a full-blown drag out. <laughs> you and Daniel were going to kill each other over that one. That was fun. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to hear a good argument, go to that one. Like. <laughs> The vitriol in that conversation is real. <laughs> like, um, uh, we're all friends still. It's fine. Uh, but yeah, War of the Ring versus Rebellion was the one that I think we went to YouTube and it's gotten several thousand views on there as well. In addition to several thousand listens uh, on the podcast, uh, where people legitimately search for that. They're like, yeah, I have $100. I want one big IP two player game. Yeah. There's two of them. There is. For these two day. IPs that I might like equally, like in my yeah. case, very much equally, which one should I buy? And that was what our conversation was meant to be. And often in those cases, you know, some person would take one side and the other person would take the other side. And we kind of, someone would take basically devil's advocate because we usually agree on these things. 
Um, except for Kemet versus Eclades, where people did not agree. That was real. Um, uh, and it was fun. Yeah, like that kind of thing is fun. But there aren't always those kind of comparisons to make, unfortunately. No. We can't do that every week. So. And again, it used to be different. Again, I hate to keep saying back in the day, but there used to be so a glut of games. So you did have a massive number of deck builders, a massive number of worker placements coming out exactly at the same time. So the right. idea of like, which one do you buy was a real consideration you had to make back in the day, where now every game is very specialized, especially with Asmodee, deciding that they'll do one type of this or one type of that. So other than Simon every once in a while stepping on Asmodee's toes, like with miniature games or something like that, you don't see that as much as, as you once did. Obviously, right. another thing we used to do is convention reviews, which were kind of a mixed bag. Again, I thought that was going to be huge because mm. I thought people would want to know what goes on in the convention and review the games. But that never really seemed to be a big thing, if you remember, right, Anthony? I think that was something that like didn't get the, the most attention possible. Yeah, that was definitely based on what other people were doing because yeah. all the big podcasts would go to all the conventions, they'd come back, and their next episode would be a review of that convention. Oh, yeah. And we're like, oh, that's what we got to do. That's what people want to hear. Yeah. Turns out that's not what people want to hear because if you didn't go to the convention, <laughs> you're like, I don't really care and I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, if you yeah. did go to the convention, you're like, yeah, I know I was there. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know that people are super on board with that. Maybe the hotness stuff, that's done a little better since we've just kind of narrowed the focus and just done the hotness now. Yeah. Um, but those lists always do well. But yeah, the general discussion of the conventions, we we kind of stopped doing that pretty quickly. Yeah, and I think the the last thing, especially last year, Anthony, we we did a lot more of which we never really were this podcast for it was interviews. You know, from mm, yeah. from designers and publishers and things like we've had people over the years on the podcast doing. The idea was like if we brought somebody on, unlike some other podcasts where like it was an interview we really wanted them to play with us. They, we really wanted them to have like part of the content and give us their opinions on the acquisition disorders at the tables and the features. And I think last year we did favorite games. So when we had yep. somebody come on, we had them talk about their favorite games because I know this seems obvious, but like it is super hard to coordinate schedules, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. like getting people on at the same time. And honestly, if you ever watched YouTube with designers and sometimes publishers too, is like not everyone feels comfortable in front of a mic or in front of a screen. And now you're asking them to talk for an hour and they're just yeah. like, it goes down quickly. So some podcasts that's part that bread and brother better. <laughs> it's kind of funny that I would actually say that now because that's, that's the situation you run into. Like you do the podcast for so long and you take for granted the fact that you've developed these skills, but for other people, yeah, you make those mistakes all the time. So bread and butter of a podcast is just, it's all those kind of interviews. And again, it was something we were never really sure if people liked or didn't like, because if we brought on people from the industry, you may not care about publisher X, that they're the media person for them or designer Y, because they were either a small designer or they were from a country where English was not their first language. And most of our listeners are, you know, native English speakers, but not all. So maybe you couldn't understand necessarily what they were saying because a lot of a lot of European designers um, have a, you know, the language barrier problem, which God bless, I, I'm ba I barely speak English on a, on a good day. And, and if you listen to the podcast, you understand that. Does, does, can this guy pronounce anybody's name? Not really. And I apologize, but I've already talked about that. So that's a big thing. So feature reviews, 
again, it doesn't have to be a feature. I think even some podcasts, their whole episode is a feature or a long form game. I think the long view, speaking of long core games, is like it's right. a game and they just review the whole thing and they bring somebody on to talk about the whole game. That's a whole format that people do. And then obviously other people just bring somebody on, they talk during the podcast and that's their guest for the episode. And I don't know. It's one of those things. It's again, it's whatever content you're listening for. But that's been a big thing and an interesting thing about podcasts. What is it that you listen for as far as do you even listen for the feature reviews? Because like Anthony said, that we try to make them diverse. We try to, you know, retire things, bring new things in. Uh, obviously, some of the standards, top tens, which we had a lot of like fights, <laughs> not fights, but we've had a lot of hard discussion about what's the value of a top 10, right? Because it's so it's been done for so many decades now at this point. Is it old? Is it new? People still want it, right? People Google things, Anthony, right? So it's still a thing. We do it because the numbers say they make sense. People listen to it. They like them. They get shared. So why would we not keep doing it? (laughs) The key for us is to be creative about what we do, not just be like top 10 worker placement games because, you know. You've heard that a hundred times. Yeah, we try to do do unique and fun things, at least as far as that's concerned. With exception of like the top 100 list, which seems to be a, a mainstay once a year that you drag out all your games and you go, all right, so where do these kind of fit in across the way? (laughs) Yeah. So, and then obviously beyond the podcast, one of the things that we've tried to do all the time is to, you know, recreate or innovate or transform the podcast to be other things. So obviously YouTube was a big step for us getting the podcast on YouTube so that maybe you don't have a podcast player or maybe you don't want to listen to a podcast player. You can listen on YouTube now. And that was a thing for a long time where it was just the audio. And I think in the past we had pictures and now we have like a main image. But now we're using our Zencaster, a program that we pay for, that's recording this. So we're live. And that's not weird at all for me. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is not weird. <laughs> Woo. I mean, we did we did Twitch for six months. So this isn't really that weird for me anymore. But it's... The live stuff, man that that was that was rough. I mean, it wasn't yeah. rough. It went actually really well. It was just anxiety rough. And you do you're 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 very smiley happy more about it than than I than I am about that. I give you credit for that because that's a lot of attention. <laughs> because yeah. the YouTube stuff is like your face in front of the screen for you know forever. The Twitch stuff was again this idea that I had like five years ago about working with Board Game Arena. And it made sense, BGA and BGA, right? Uh, and they finally caught up five years later at the beginning of the pandemic. We're like, don't be a good idea. We'll do Twitch. We have never done Twitch before. So Anthony had to learn how to do everything with Twitch. God bless him because that was a lot of technical stuff. And I had to be on Twitch live. And that was that was a lot. <laughs> but yeah. But somebody said to me recently that what they found so amazing about Twitch that we, you know, the games that we kind of hosted, and that was something you and I talked about. I even talked about Daniel back in the day about having like a board game network where we would be like commentators over games. And it actually became a reality here was the fact that so many games ended up with like players coming from behind, Mm. you know, super tight, close wins. Not when you and I were playing because we were just playing to show the game off, but like, when we got players, it was real. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, listen to the episode that Jason was on with me. That was like super, super real. But we had so many games that came down to the last thing. It was so exciting 
to be able to do that. And that was a huge thing, man. Like I, that was a thing seriously. Right. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Yeah. I, I was really worried that a lot of those episodes would end up boring. We'd have to like find ways to make them interesting. Like watching a baseball game where it's like 15 to one. And the announcers are talking about like <laughs> what they put on their toast that morning. Cause it, the game's been going for five hours. Sure. Like, no, it was never like that. It was always very tight and interesting and engaging. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and again, we might return back to it. And I think actually we did one of the biggest episodes on YouTube, surprisingly enough, was the ranking list yep. of the Uwe Rosenberg games, which got a huge number of views. And that yep. was kind of funny because it was one of those things where I was like, hey, I've seen this done for anime. We should do this for publishers and designers. Right. And that kind of blew up for you know a minute. I don't know if we'll return to that. I mean, again, that's something that kind of put out there if people were interested in that they should definitely check that out and see if that format worked for them because some of that has some really interesting kind of discussions and graphical implications to it so yeah that was a thing for sure and obviously one of the things that you don't get to see but we've talked about in the past is we've done a lot of events over the years a lot of charity events typically once a year we do a big charity event again some covid years some moving years that made things more challenging and there's a whole history behind that like if we went like that would be a several hour episode going back about all the the events and how we pulled them together and all the challenges and all the dangers and people stealing money and people games and 24 hour gaming thing it was just that that alone like that's a behind the music and again if you're not old enough you won't know what that reference means but literally that would be it like and then they thought this was a good idea to do that and then obviously it was not a good idea to do that so but we've done a lot of events in the years, mostly, if not all, for charity. And we've had some really nice turnouts and a lot of money to support people in need. And we've been really blessed that people supported us, publishers supported us so that we can do a lot more good. And we're always looking to do that. It's somewhat, unfortunately, challenging these days because publishers either don't have the games to share for charity content or just don't for some reason. So, um, But it's still great when they do so that we can kind of make a difference in people's lives. And that's been really wonderful. And we really love doing those charity events. And I guess, Anthony, finally, we've already talked a little bit about the paid reviews, which we don't do and, the, you know, things like that. But there's obviously like we work in partnership with publishers, designers, other media people out there, Gamma in some respects, other conventions and things like that, PAX, Gen Con, smaller conventions, uh, double exposure, Envoy, and things like that. So there's a lot of relationships going on. And again, that's always been somewhat challenging because if you go to a convention, it is a business thing for us. We want to have fun, but it's also business. Now, surprisingly enough, I enjoy some of that business. And then I got to drag Anthony around the convention to do more business stuff. And he's like, I came to play. And I'm like, yeah, I remember we used to do that. <laughs> and now we got to go to a convention to go talk to people an hour or shot to learn like, five minutes of content or look move two things and that's a game review or something. So, <laughs> I mean, again, that's something that people don't see the challenge about making the relationships and developing them and then trying to get review copies. So we have content and a lot of times games now more than ever burn out in six months. So if the, if the game doesn't get attention in six months or shelf attention, six months, it's done. But publishers typically, at least to us don't come around until what? a year later sometimes or six months. And they're just like, 
Well, we got about five minutes on this game. Could you, could you, you know, take a look at it? Because yeah. exposure? Can you post a review like in a week or two? I'm like, <laughs> no, no, because we don't get paid to do any of this. Yeah. We have jobs. So I'm sorry. <laughs> so that's, that's been a very big challenge. And again, that's a huge episode that I would love to do in the future. Maybe we will or won't do that because. It's a lot of naming names, but it's it's really been a, <laughs> an emotional adventure because Anthony and I go to these conventions and we're like, okay, cool. We have to talk to like 300 people. <sighs> and then like five minutes in, your your social battery runs out, you know, and then it's, and you still have to keep going because you need that information. And since we're not paid reviewers, we don't really have that access that paid reviewers would have, which makes it more challenging for us. So sure. um, yeah. that's always a thing especially in the conventions. And then I guess finally, you know, talking about how we actually are able to do the podcast. And again, this is also another full episode about everything that um, our Patreon backers and everyone who listens does for us and people who share on social media. I mean, it makes my day when I go on Reddit or I see in another, you know, thread or another channel or another page where they mention us makes honestly all the difference in the world. Because again, since we're not financially connected to publishers and designers, that if we're not mentioned, if we're not supported by listeners and our friends out there, we're not really, we don't really exist in some cases, which is weird, but that really is a, a, re- a reality of our industry is that there is just pipelines and funnels that are pre-built or built by relationship. And if you're not in that river you have to work really hard to get any knowledge or information or game so that you can present that. And that's a challenge. And the only way we've been able to do this podcast and the YouTube channel and Twitch and the events and everything is add the generosity of publishers, designers, um, people who listen and our friends like you, and especially the Patreon backers who make this financially viable for us because this is hours out of our day. And financially, I remember talking to Anthony so many times and going, so how are we doing? And he's like, we're still at a negative. I'm like, six years in, we're still at a negative. He's like, we're still at a negative. <laughs> like, I mean, the first five years was all negative, so it took a while to <laughs> break it back down. We're positive now, man. We're positive now. So. We've always been positive in our hearts, but yeah. you've all, the Patreon backers <laughs> made it a positive. And again, we're, we're so thankful. And what we've always done, and, and Patreon backers know this, is we anytime we get extra money, we turn around and do uh, game giveaways or prizes or things like that. So the money goes back to, out to our audiences, despite all of the cost of everything that you see or you don't see here. So it's it's been a challenging but a wonderful adventure throughout. And it's been over eight years. It's It's been over 340 episodes. I don't know, Anthony, any closing thoughts about what is BGA and making a better podcast going forward in the future? That's good, man. Leave me with the big existential bomb at the end there. <laughs> well, I want to, see. That's always a funny thing about the podcast that I don't often talk about. So let me let me take a tangent for a moment. I often say these these big emotional or philosophical things, and then I realize Anthony's also on the podcast, and I feel bad because one of the things about the podcast again that you don't know is oftentimes editing is very hard. So. If I'm talking, then Anthony talks, and I talk, and we don't want to talk over each other because that was an editing problem super early on. It became a little easier, but it's still still an issue. So we kind of monologue every once in a while. Everyone's nodding their head who's listening to this at the moment. But yes, that happens. And then I look, I'm like, 
I didn't let Anthony talk. And then he's like, and then sometimes he's like, thank God he didn't make me talk. And then sometimes he's like, dear God, why, why can't he let me talk? So <laughs> we don't have a signal in the podcast where he's like, yes, me, I will talk now. So I'm always like, I don't know. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, no, I mean, we've obviously spent over an hour digging through the, everything we've done on the uh-huh. show to date. And I think, the, the main takeaway I guess I want everybody to have is we do this for all of you. We do. Uh, the main reason we do it for ourselves is to hang out personally yeah. and because we like board games and it's a cool way to talk about board games, right? Sure. Um, I love creating content. I have since I was like five years old, like making little reports out of my you know stuffed animals and G.I. Joe's. So this, this is, this is a blast for me. I love doing this and the only thing that makes it better is knowing that y'all are listening, which is why like question of the week is my favorite thing. Doing surveys is my favorite thing. Getting new Patreon backers or you guys sending feedback is my favorite thing because then I know that you're listening and I know what you like and what you don't like. It's amazing. Right. Uh, So I guess the main takeaway I would have is if there's something about the show you love, let us know if there's something about the show you think could be more interesting or better or whatever. Also let us know. And know that we have very thick skins because that's mm-hmm. both of us take criticism for a living. And that's we the do. only way to make anything better is to know what everybody likes and doesn't like and to improve upon it. Um, this this episode is not meant to be like, tell us what to do and we'll do it. It's more of like a, a dialogue. We want to start a dialogue yeah. with everybody and say, this is what we've been doing. This is why we've been doing it. But what do you think, right? Based on what we've just told you. What do you think about the show? What would you like to see different or additional or more of? Like, sure. like you could write in and tell us absolutely 100% don't change this segment because it's perfect. And that would be amazing. And I would love to, to hear that from you. So it's we make the show for all of you and to have this engagement. So please feel free to say whatever's on your mind in whatever channel you want. You know, we're on everything. So any <laughs> comment you leave, I do see, you know. <laughs> You just added us to something. What was that? What what, what platform are we on now that we were not Amazon, on? Amazon has podcasts now. Uh, okay. Like, I guess it's like Amazon Music, but I get mostly Alexa. So if you okay. if you tell Alexa to play uh, Board Gamers Anonymous, she will. <laughs> so, wow, really? Okay. I yeah. got to try that now. That's hilarious. Yeah. You know, for me, again, going through the, the episode format is really fun and interesting because, again, there is so much thought that goes into it. And again, as Anthony mentioned, the thought is you are friends who are listening each and every week. We honestly do live and die based upon, like, hopefully you're enjoying it. Hopefully we're getting it in on time for you. Like yesterday, I don't know where you are in the world, but we had a hurricane and tornadoes that hit the area in which we both live. So typically we record on Wednesday night because that typically is best for Anthony and his family, but we got hit with literally everything. And obviously it's been an incredibly difficult two years, 20 years, a life kind of situation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's been a thing. So as Anthony said, it's, it's, and it honestly is absolutely true. It's like any amount of content, any, con- any kind of contact, any, you, you even whisper our names like walking down the hallway or something even if we're not there it really does make our days because this really is a conversation that we've always had with each and every one of you and that's really what makes the big difference like we we, we've we're constantly 
in an existential crisis of like, is this what people want? Is this what they're listening for? Like, we want to have fun and we do definitely enjoy our the time that we spend together. And again, I don't know, like most male friendships are hard to keep because as I was once told by a psychologist, it was like, you know, men's relationships are mostly like foxholes. Like you get into a situation together, whether it's work or team or sport, whatever it is, you work it out and then you move on. Like this has allowed our friendship to grow. I, I think, Anthony, I think that's fair to say, right? Because obviously sure, life yeah. gets in the way. So if you don't have something scheduled <laughs> and productive, it's ho- it's hard for men to kind of like generally men. Like I, I feel like I could do more than that, but it's it's hard. But and also for all of you out there too to have that conversation with us, you know, is is so incredibly valuable and really does make our day. And again, as Anthony said, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's a mention, if it's a thumbs up, if it's a share with somebody else. If it's a listen on the podcast, if it's a subscription on YouTube, it means the world. If it's mentioning us to other people, publishers, designers, that honestly makes our day. I mean, I can't tell you. It really does. And again, it only makes our day so much because it's the we know that you're listening. Because again, it's this weird vortex void of just like th- things coming in and out. And we're never really sure where or why. So again... Uh, hopefully this reboot episode zero recast reflection or just like hey we just want to be more personal and engage with you to let you know who we are and what's going on with life because it has been one of those situations and over the last eight years sharing our life with you has been incredibly meaningful for the both of us so again thank you all so very much for listening hopefully this episode's been fun again if this is your first episode i am really sorry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why did you listen to all this? You're like, I don't what know. are you talking about? <laughs> but again, it might have been fun for you. I don't Maybe. know. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> it's very meta. You know a lot more about us than uh, you would if you listened to, I don't know, five episodes ago. It's true. So It's true. And again, we want to know if that's also something that you want to know, because Anthony and I could talk for hours, days, weeks, and months, and years. But again, it's so it's so incredibly to join you at the table each and every week. Hope this was fun for you. We're going to just release this unedited so you get it as quickly as possible and be able to listen to it at the gym, in the car, wherever you are. Again, thank you so much. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you, as we have for the last eight years, a place at the table. Take care, everyone. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.